Okay. Yeah. First of all, um, I will uh, present myself, and if you can just um, give the same presentation of you mentioning the same things as I am mentioning. Um, so my name is Emil. I am 25 years old, and I live in Copenhagen, in Denmark, where I had where I have lived my whole life, and I study political science where I am finishing my minor degree this semester. Okay, so I'm Veronica. I'm 23 years old and I'm a dentist from Kyiv. I was born in Kyiv and I had been living there for actually for all the 23 years. But now I'm in the western part of Ukraine because I had to leave my home into my home and move somewhere just to feel safe. Firstly, I was staying in Bratislava, but then um, I decided to, to come back to Ukraine. Hmm. That's it. Thank you. Um, and um, in this interview, um, because I've, I've already done two, um, so I'll try something that there is a bit new here. To just start with like five questions. Um, Pretty much, I guess, or no, or like short explana explanation, just to um, try to get a sense of where, you, where you're standing uh, among some key issues that you could might um, talk about concerning the war. Um, so the first question is, when there will be a peace um, at some point, um, what do you think that will, um, what do you think will be the, um, like the, the situation, the, the territorial claims, how will they be settled? Um, the political situation, how will that be settled? And just as, as short as possible, if you, if you get what I mean. Yeah, okay, I got you. So I think um, it will take some time. I don't believe that it can be finished like in one or two months. Because anyways, uh, the Russian army is quite big. I mean, the amount of people is much bigger than the Ukrainian one. But the point is the motivation that uh, our people, we are fighting for our freedom. They don't have this motivation. Um, I was listening to you know phone calls of Russian soldiers. They are talking to their friends and families. And the biggest problem is uh, what they say we don't understand what we are fighting for. It's really important. So they just have to die for nothing, uh, firstly. And the second thing, I think we need more weapons. The more weapons we get from uh, European countries and uh, America, uh, the faster we can win. And of course, most of Ukrainians uh, think like more than 90% that we need Crimea back and Donbass back. Uh, it's not about freedom without these territories. That's it. And what's more, at some point, we already have a win because they wanted to take Kiev like in three or four days and they failed it. So that's the point where they already realized they have failed the main thing they had to do that's it and what do you think is the most important um criteria for 
um, determining the development? Uh, development of Ukraine or development of the war? What do you mean? Like just the development of the, the war. Um, the, so, what will be the reason for a certain development, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, okay, it may sound really uh, crazy, but maybe it's Putin's death. Because as long as he, as he is alive, there will be aggression against Ukraine. It's mostly his idea because, yeah, of course, there are a lot of Russians. You have to understand that Olaf Scholz, uh, he was wrong when he was saying it's just Putin's war. No, it's not like that. There are quite a lot of Russians who support this war. But there are also a lot of people who understand that uh, something horrible is going on in Ukraine. And it's still, of course, more Putin's idea that there is no such nation and he has to kill us, just to kill us, destroy our nation and to take this territories to Russia and his life. Uh, we can't talk about total freedom, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And what is um, your um, participation in the um, efforts or like what is a normal day for you with the, in these circumstances uh, right now? Mm, you mean what I'm doing for, for yeah. this, for support, yeah? Yeah, uh, what you're doing for support uh, and so also and just what you're, what you're doing daily besides that. Um, yeah, so um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. I'm the only one who lost my job due to the war, but all of my family were working. So we're donating a lot of money for uh, people. Uh, for soldiers, firstly, and second, um, for example, yesterday, I found a family. So their son, he was a soldier for Ukrainian army. And it's a big tragedy because he died yesterday. And uh, we were just donating money for his family to support them. Um, because he was the only one who was like uh, helping them with, with money. Yeah. So I think it's quite important. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, now let me um, take the interview um, more towards uh, the questions that I also sent you, which is um, perhaps more um, surrounding like the background for the conflict, um, the reasons there might be for the conflict, the war happening in the first place, and um, the development leading up to it. Um, and the first thing uh, I want to touch upon is um, the relationship between Russia, Russia and um, Ukraine and um, the way in which Ukrainians perceive that um, relationship. And you can talk uh, about the historical um, views, you can talk about today, it's just whatever you might um, think about it and perhaps also what your view is of the general uh, population of Ukraine, if you know what I mean, like both your personal view and how you perceive the general view of Ukrainians, just surrounding the relations between Ukraine and Russia. 
Yeah, I was thinking about it. And I think the best way to explain, um, maybe it may sound strange, but it's a really good example. Uh, imagine a couple, it may be just a girlfriend, a boyfriend, or a um, husband and wife. And uh, let's make it like Ukraine uh, is a woman and uh, is a man. And Russia is a typical user. When you start your relationships, you truly believe relationships in your life. And at some point, at some point of uh, that, for example, man starts to, to say something rude uh, for the first time, for the second time. And at some point, it may come to... to a physical aggression uh, but it's repeating again so it's the same with russia first punch was uh, the the uh, an action of crimea and donbass and now we're just paying price that we didn't do the right things back in uh 2013 uh, i think this is the best way to explain like we that after ussr uh, fell apart, we could be uh, together, like we could be uh, nations that can be like brothers and so on. And after 30 years of independence, with each year, uh, we realizing that it's just impossible because in USSR, if to, 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 to know this history really good, you're gonna know that uh, they were trying to kill Ukrainian nation if you ever heard about Gulag, it's the place uh, where uh, people from the whole USSR were taken. And yeah, they told that just like kind of prisoner people, their homes and families. That's not true because most of people had died there. So most of the people in Gulag were from Ukraine. They were just killing us because they knew we were willing for freedom that's just uh, comes from the whole history and they knew that they don't have something in history to tell us because we quite an ancient nation uh we became christians in uh, 1998 ad and uh there was no even moscow at that time so that's it they just didn't know how to explain to their own nation i mean russians how can someone be so willing to freedom? Because if we can make a democracy in our country, that means that we think about that. And that's what truly they want to Lenin and Stalin. I think uh, I. The, the connection went a bit off, in, but only in the end. So um, I think I almost got the last part. Um, so you talk, you were talking about um, Ukrainians being willing to fight. And um, also you were talking about Ukrainians um, being able to um, build up a democratic society. Um, and then you compare that to Russia and the way they view that, it was a bit, just if you can repeat the, 
stuff you said in the in, at the end. Uh, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that they know, especially Putin, he knows that we are we became different since the USSR fell apart, and we're building quite a good democracy. I don't say we don't have problems; we do have with corruption, for example, but we are fighting it, and now we, we see the path have to go, and he knows, uh, and he is afraid. The last thing he needs is democracy in his own country. And unfortunately, paying price not only for freedom of Russian people, because they are afraid to come out of their homes on the streets. They know they're, they're going to prison. We're not going to prison. We're just dying. Hmm. Okay. Um, so... In relation um, to that, also um, the the feeling um, between Ukraine and uh, Russia, um, I want to touch upon the Ukrainian resilience um, here, perhaps a bit more specifically, um, because if you look at the conflict, um, at least from uh, what you would call um, in my field, um, realistic um, view of international politics, you would say that Russia should have been able to um, take more territory. Russia should have been um, able to put itself in a better position for um, roundup negotiations, um, for example. Um, and they should have actually been able to do this um much earlier um but yet the ukrainians um has at least um if you take the words of putin uh, and his um official goals um before the invasion the ukrainians have managed to defend themselves uh, against that successfully um which in a military logic would appear pretty um not likely to happen. Um, how do, why do you think that is? Um, which um, factors um, plays into that being the case? Okay, firstly, as I said, it's motivation of Ukrainian people. It's very important. Uh, it doesn't matter how much and how good are weapons uh, in your army, but if you don't have people who are willing to fight for their territories for their families you will never win uh, and secondly as i understood reading different uh, news uh, their army is not so good as they used to tell the whole world so it was all uh what's more uh, we also have a huge problem with corruption um their soldiers like uh, they were stealing from the army money and weapons and so on. They were stealing weapons to sell to other countries. So finally, Putin didn't know about that. Probably didn't know. Like uh, his people, they were telling him that everything is okay, we're ready for the invasion and so on. But when the day came, um, they didn't think that the war is gonna be so huge. Uh, 
the same as my family did and most of my friends and relatives we all thought it's gonna be something for kind of escalation on donbass or crimea we didn't think he's going to go to kiev um and i think that's what was in heads of russian soldiers militaries they thought they not going to need all the sweepings all these people they didn't know all the plan so when the day came they were not so prepared as putin used to tell the whole world i think so mm. all right um so let's um talk a bit about the revolutions that um has been in ukraine after they gained independence um, from the Soviet Union in 1991. Um, so if we start with the revolution in 2004, um, what happened uh, there? What was that about? What um, If you can just explain it to me. Yeah, so uh, in 2004, there were uh, elections uh, in Ukraine. And uh, finally, um, Ukrainians were told that uh, their next president, the one who won it, was Yanukovych. Yanukovych is totally pro-Russian uh, politic. Uh, he was paid by Kremlin and so on. Ukrainians did understand that something might be wrong because... Um, Russians, they used to, to put their people inside of our election system. And uh, Ukrainians understood that there must be something wrong. That's why they came out on the streets and they were um, just willing to, to have another president, Yushchenko. Uh, this revolution actually was made for Yushchenko to become a real president. And that's what we had. But the problem is that um, 10 years later, less than 10 years, we had another elections and Yanukovych finally became a president. And that's where we come to 2013, 2014 revolution Maidan. Uh, it's called Maidan because it was happening on the main um, square of uh, Kiev, of Ukraine. It's called Maidan. And... Um, Yanukovych was already a president and all the things he was doing for Ukraine was connected to Russia. Like we already hadn't seen that he was totally under Putin's, uh, under Putin. Uh, all the rules, all the new rules we're having in Ukraine, their connection and we're just to them. Uh, so yeah, the people understood that we have to go out on the streets again. Uh, I was I was like 16 years old, and I was I was also on the streets. Although my parents were totally against it, but we understood we gotta fight for it. Uh, I remember uh, like schools and universities were canceling uh, classes so that youth could come out on the streets with the with the adult ones. And it was something totally different. We felt different. Uh, we felt that we, we had to fight for it. It's our like last chance 
to get the freedom. And I think that was the moment when Putin understood he has to be scared of Ukrainians, totally scared. He was told that there were so many pro-Russian people living in Ukraine. It was not like that. Uh, because Maidan, it was uh, just, uh, it was not just in Kiev. The biggest one was in Kiev, but in the whole Ukraine, there were people coming uh, out. And uh, I think also the point was that Maidan started with the 100 students who came out on Maidan on the main square uh, against Yanukovych. And he put soldiers against this 100 students. They were hurt. And when we heard that uh, on the news, people uh, understood that he uses militaries against just like ordinary students. They didn't have any weapons, so he couldn't do like that. And uh, there was a chance, like uh, most of people after elections, even those who used to vote for, for him, uh, they were ashamed that they did it because they realized there was a huge mistake to put him as a president in Ukraine. Uh, so yeah, it changed. It changed our mind a lot. But I think we had to be more radical at that time because we still had a lot of pro-Russian people in government, even after Maidan, even after uh, Yanukovych uh, ran away to Russia. Okay, uh, I think I'll, I'll just quickly have to. Um... It was just my chat, I think maybe that will help the internet a little bit. But, um, anyways, um, so uh, I get what you were saying. Um, so I asked uh, about the 2004 revolution, um, and you correctly. Um, started talking about the Maiden, Revo Maiden Revolution in 1314, um, which also makes sense um, given your age um, relation to that. Um, so you were talking a lot about the Ukrainians realizing that they uh, had to fight for something. Um, how do you think that the revolution in 2013-14 affected the Ukrainian identity, um, the Ukra how Ukraine perceives, it, perceives itself uh, as a country and um, just everything um, that comes into mind when um, thinking about the revolution and the aftermath in linking to the things that I, I'm talking about here. Um, okay, I think this is where we started to be more proud because the whole world was talking about it. I remember that was on, on the news everywhere and um you know you feel different like um when you when you live an ordinary life and you just you know you have a country you were born here and you did not think for its independence but it's very different when you take a participation 
in fighting for this independence. It's, it feels very different. And it, it now feels even more different. I think you understand that it, it was in uh, uh, 2013, 14. Um, and that's the what affected more. And I think this is the point why we have war right now is that Putin understood that he had to be scared, he has to be scared of us, uh, that we're not going to play his games. Um, that's it, I guess. But it, it just, you have to be inside of the, of the situation to understand this. Like when you hear every day people are killed on Maidan, when you're, um, like you're making hospitals in the, uh, in the underground just to help people because they have injuries, when you're donating all your money just to, to, to buy something for those people fighting on Maidan, same like those who are now fighting on the front, you feel completely different. Like you have uh, very different thoughts. Um, you are uh, another life, not the one you had like a day before it started. Um, is the same, like, you know, most of my friends and me the same, we never thought that our day would start and finish with the news about war. Like uh, yesterday, uh, Russia put um, uh, once again rockets on the, on, on the Kiev and uh, that I was searching the, the whole evening in Kiev uh, and I never thought like uh, half a year ago I never thought that my evening would end up with checking on the news how many people died and so on it's really horrible it, it can be uh, uh, like it, it's it's nothing like like it was war mm -hmm. Um so the internet went uh sorry a, a little bit um off again there, but you were talking about not be not imagining um that this would be the case. Um so that leads me um on to another topic um which I find very interesting, um at least which is the expectations that Ukrainians have for their future right now in light of everything that is happening, and obviously with the, the war uh, or the horrors um, that Ukrainians are experiencing right now, it still seems as if there is a very strong result, um, at least if you listen to what your president is saying concerning about how Ukraine will emerge on the other side of this um, war, whenever it might end. Might, uh, may end. What um, what is your own um, expectations for the future of Ukraine, um, and what is your feeling of the general um, view of Ukrainians um, towards the, this question?
truly believe that we're going to win this war is like 100 percent um what's more of course we want to become a part of european union that's our biggest i think dream because um i think with the becoming a, a european country we get a guarantee that we're going to be a democratic country and also we have to fight corruption i find it the biggest problem in our country so we we got to fight with it after all um but i think it's everything is going to be really great like we we want to keep in touch with all the europeans and we see our future just like that um i don't think we're gonna have some uh, relationships with Russia anymore. After all, after all the killed people uh, in, in Bucha uh, and Irpin, it's just in like 30 kilometers from my home, from my own home. Um, it's, I find it impossible to, to, to keep in touch with them. So I think they're gonna be like, you know, some kind of outsiders in the world. That's what, that's what they need to realize all the things, all the horrible things they did to the nation that was absolutely innocent. Uh, we never saw we are pretending, pretending for some territories of Russia or something. We're just fighting for freedom. Um, I'm now only worried about people, you know, in Mariupol. It's under Russia now. And there are thousands of our soldiers and civilians. Uh, they're still hiding. There is, um, maybe you uh, heard about it, Azovstal. This is the place in Mariupol where soldiers and civilians are hiding. And it's a huge problem because Russians don't want to uh, uh, give uh, them chance to leave Mariupol. Uh, they, I think they just want them to be killed. Uh, I think... For now, we have to think about their lives. We have to think about all those thousands of people who are still dying because they're under Russia. And unfortunately, we can uh, help them with the help of weapons because we don't have this, uh, like enough of weapons, enough of people to make it in this way. Um, so I'm, re I'm truly worried about those ones. Um, and again, I think we have to put a lot of um, attention to help psychologically to those who suffered from war. Like there are thousands of girls who were raped uh, with Russian soldiers. It's pretty horrible because they're not even a woman if she's raped, but still. Uh, those those Russian soldiers, I can't even call them humans. They do behave like animals. Uh, there are so many work to do even after war. So we have just to keep it in mind that the war with Russia will end, but still there are so many work to do uh, that we have to, to rebuild our country, rebuild our uh, economic situation. And what's more to help those of our citizens who need psychological help. That's very important. We have to support them every day. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that um, I've been wondering 
um, lately, um, at least also because it's uh, going to be something that I will be focusing upon in my assignment as well. Um, it's how does, um, it's like how does, uh, so obviously there is a lot of sympathy, um, especially from democratic countries, um, a lot of protest, a lot of vocal support. Um, there's also a lot of politicians um, supporting and uh, sympathizing with Ukraine. There's also institutions like the UN um, who has condemned both the war, the war and some of the atrocities that the Ru Russian army has um, committed. Um, so if you don't think about the the policy um, support, like the, the concrete things that are being done, like um, um, the transfer of money and the transfer of weapon and stuff like that. But if you only think about the, um, the support in terms of words, in, in terms of everything that the Ukrainians get and feel and see, how do you think that affects, affects the um, Ukrainians? Or, do you think that it affects the resolve to fight or anything along along those lines? Uh, can you repeat? Because I couldn't hear you. The internet is yeah, really horrible. Of course. Um, so the Western uh, or democratic countries, I suppose they can support Ukraine in two ways. They can support them directly with money, with weapon, with um, staffs, with um, voluntary workers, and stuff like that, and then we c and then they can support Ukraine just by their words, what they're saying, the narratives they are providing, um, the way they participate in the debate, and stuff like that. The last way of supporting Ukraine and Ukrainians. Do you think that that has an effect on the result of the Ukrainians? Um, you were also mentioning, talking about the Maidan revolution, that you were in the uh, national, uh, you were in the news um, all around the world. Um, so, I just, yeah, if you have some uh, thoughts surrounding that. Uh, so, you, you mean uh, if the democracy has to talk on the Ukrainian problem? That's what you're saying, right? So the the question is, does the support that you are receiving from um, democratic elected presidents, um, like them saying Ukraine is fighting against tyranny, U Ukraine is fighting against suppression, um, Ukraine um, are fighting for freedom, for democracy, um, which is obviously. Um, good values, if you um, were to put it like that. So, th does it strengthen the Ukrainian desire um, when the international community is supporting Ukraine and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, got you. Uh, actually, this is a really good question. Yeah, that's true. We need your support. We need your words. 
uh, of course, weapons and money are really important because this is the straight way to help to help us. But our people, we are really used to hear that you know about our problem. You're talking on our problem, and we are afraid that you're gonna forget about us. This is the moment uh, from where we could lose because all the democracy in Europe and America may forget about our existence. We are truly. Uh, we were disappointed with all the help you are giving us. It's something really amazing. And we're truly thankful for that. Uh, we do realize that uh, without your help, we wouldn't have all those wins we have uh, till this day. So it's, it's like 100% important for us. And we're truly thankful for that. Mm, okay. Um, so, um, and now to the... The other part of um of that question, and maybe maybe also the way the way that you answered um this question also suggests that the, that there is a correlation in the view of the Ukrainians between how much we talk about it and how much um we will then uh, supply, for example, um of weapons or money. Like if if the problem in problems in Ukraine is more on the minds of European leaders uh, and stuff like that, then is, is that the way that you uh, see it? So if we talk more about it, then we will also be more, um, how can you say it? Then it, we are, will also be more likely to provide Ukraine with weapons and stuff like that. Uh, probably, yeah. The, this is the problem that has to be on the talk every day. I do realize that Europeans, that uh, they're afraid of what's going on. Um, it's something really pessimistic and horrible. And I do realize that some people, uh, when they see all these uh, horrible things on TV on, or they may hear it on the radio, they're truly affected by even by words. But Europeans have to understand what really important that as long as you hurt us with money, weapons, or just words, uh, both uh, all of it is really important. We can fight for the democracy in the whole Europe. Uh, unfortunately, our territory, our nation became one can stop Russia. Uh, I know it sounds and looks uh, as the biggest nightmare that could ever happen. And I know that after the Second World War, everyone was talking that it doesn't have to happen again. But the problem is that it comes from the country which was actually fighting against Nazi. And they're using it to show the whole world that, wait, look at us. We fight. Nazi uh, uh, 80 years ago actually became new fascism uh, in the 21st century and is the most horrible thing. So yeah, probably you have to talk about it every day. Uh, please don't forget about us because we're here to, to, to fight for, for all your, of your lives, for your children. Like they say uh, officially, um, a bit more than 200 children are already dead because of the war, because of the Russian soldiers. 
but it's just an official number. You gotta realize that uh, in the eastern part of uh, Ukraine, where are uh, Russian soldiers are still uh, fighting and so on, there are thousands of children are dead. We can even imagine the number of those who are who became victims of this war. So probably, yeah, uh, that it's is the point of the whole democracy in the world, in Europe, in America, in Canada, in Japan, and so on. Thank you. Uh, and um, so I think we are we are approaching um, like the end of um, the interview. Um, but one of the last things that I want to ask about, um, which is which could perhaps come come out appear um, a bit um, frustrating from your point of view. Um, but this is just the way the question uh, is is so today we see Ukraine successfully um, defending itself against against Russian invasion forces, against Russia trying to occupy Ukraine, against Russia trying to suppress Ukrainians. Um, in the past, um, Ukraine were under the influence of the USSR pretty heavily, although still being a, still being a country or a republic um, itself. And um, before that, um, Ukraine has also for a long period been a part of the former Russian Empire. Um, from what I can understand from the two former interviews I did, and, and certainly the last one um, I did earlier today, that was never really something that the Ukrainians perhaps wanted or wished for. It was more like um, a that was just the way things were um, given the pressure that they were on also with other European powers and stuff like that. So obviously there is a lot more to this question um, than you can answer in five minutes. But still today, the Ukrainians are successful as we have been talking about. Um, why do you think it is that as of the year 2022 and the war or the escalation of the war in 2022. Why do you think Ukraine are more successful now in defending their um, independence than perhaps they have been formerly? Um, okay, I think there are two uh, points. Uh, firstly, we're more educated now we still had 30 years of independency. So, um, for example, I was born already in an independent Ukraine. Um, for the whole of my life, I have been studying in school, in university, in Ukraine. I will, to, to use this language, uh, to speak to my friends, to use it in university and so on, on my job and so on. Uh, so, uh, in 30 years, we have finally grown a generation of people who think that there is the only way to live uh, is to live in, in the independency. 
we don't want to become a part of Russia again. Like I think 99% of youth in Ukraine, they truly believe that there is the only way independent Ukraine. The problem is in those who are after 60 because they were born in USSR. And you know, it's kind of nostalgia. They find their best years uh, when they were young and they were young in USSR. That's why they still recall it as something good. But if to, to know, to, to read history, to know history, you would find out that their youth uh, was not so good. They didn't have their right to, to vote, to say something freely, even to, to watch films and to listen to music they would like to listen to. So it was quite hard. Um, and the second point, that still we are winning because of your help, because of help of all the democracy we have in the world. Yeah, that's true. That's what we didn't have when we were back in USSR. I think it's quite important. Hmm. So, um, just to follow up, um, and this will be the last question. Um, so, just to follow up upon some of the points uh, you were alluding to there, there was the the change of um, geopolitical situations, meaning that the democracies west of Ukraine, um, the EU, um, have better possibilities of supporting Ukraine. You're also talking about the education of um, the, Euro, uh, the Ukrainians and also the fact that you have experienced um, independency for um, a long time now. Um, what kind of uh, society um, do you want to um, leave um, for your future generations, your um, children? Um, and how do you think that Ukraine can develop in a way that will lead it um, to where you want it to be? Um, well, uh, I think it's probably something pro-European. Like uh, I've been to Scandinavian countries uh, and I think you built something really amazing. Uh, I think you are those who truly think about people's lives firstly uh, and is the most important to build a country where every life matters. It's not about only about money and so on. It's only about people because the country can be built only with the help of people. Um, I wish to, to build some makes people free to, to, to choose the way they want to live. It's from the simple things, I mean, to, to listen to music, to watch uh, films they want, uh, and so on to read the books like there there could be no restrictions in the literature or art and up to elections when you come out and you vote for someone you like not because uh, someone forces you to vote for someone uh, so it's many different things but it, uh, yeah it also probably comes to one word which is democracy mm, uh, okay so that that 
<laughs> leads me to one last question, perhaps then. Uh, so, because you mentioned that you some kind of sum all that up to democracy. Um, there, what do you, how, what do you view democracy as? What do you mean when you say democracy, a democratic society? What, what, um, what, what do you think that is? Um, uh, probably freedom in all the ways until it doesn't come, you know, to, to something that is uh, restricted uh due to the law um it's freedom to choose the way of life you want to live i mean there is nothing bad that there are some people that might they are born in one country and maybe they appreciate another kind of culture uh, language and so on but when it happens like that that doesn't mean that other country comes to your territory that means that this bunch of people if they want to live in another country they take their all their stuff and they move out of their country they were born in and they move to the country they want to live in that's it uh if most of people want to live in the uh, independent country whether it's ukraine or any another one so we're gonna do the way that most of people want not just a small bunch of people. If there is someone who wants to live in Russia, they have to move to Russia. Not Russia can come to our territory and kill our people. Although I think that after all the things that happened to us already and unfortunately are happening and will happen for a couple of months probably, I don't think there are still many people who want to connect their lives to, to Russia somehow. Thank you. Uh, so I'll end the recording now.